you had to move from that location because it's being redeveloped. First, are you happy to be finished with the process now that you've found a spot? Yes, we're just praying that it's completed by the time they start to uh, bulldoze our building. They've been gracious and let us stay. We were supposed to be out by July 31st. And uh, well, in the middle of a pandemic, trying to secure a space was a bit challenging. So so we have a, a great construction crew and a very good office administrator and uh, managing partner, excuse me, they are the three are doing a great job to hopefully facilitate us getting in by November 30th. If not, we're going to be practicing on the street. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities and future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Welcome to the second part of the interview with Kristen Struble, a pediatrician at Camelback Pediatrics, a private practice in Phoenix, Arizona. This week, we continue our conversation about the importance of quality mental health care for kids, how it was a problem pre-pandemic and is even more during the pandemic. Kristen shares the upcoming move of Camelback Pediatrics, and we learn more about her. In last week's episode, Kristen discussed the importance of gut health, nutrition, and a functioning microbiome to help children prevent and overcome illness. We discussed her book that teaches children how they need to adjust their eating choices to make their gut feel better. I've had a lot of comment, like uh, some interviews I've had, the most underutilized and most needed next step in healthcare is an emphasis on behavioral health. Do you see that with children and, and what are some things that your practice is integrating into your care to, to make sure that the behavioral health and mental health, the emotional health of children is part of the process of evaluating them and making sure that if, you know, they're, if you see alarming things going on, that there's help and support? Sure. It's a good question. Here's the problem. There's a shortage of psychiatrists. Uh, it's tough to fill the residencies. Um, there's thankfully mid-level providers that are, are, trying to fill in the gaps. So that's nurse practitioners and physician assistants. We send a lot of families right away to family therapists. They are critical and they do a wonderful job, you know, with counseling, which oftentimes can prevent the need for seeing a psychiatrist. Uh, we send we refer to a lot of psychologists, but the biggest purpose for us is to help diagnose or to recognize that there's an issue and then help families get the tools they need or seek the providers that specialize in that area. The problem lies in the fact that there's a deficiency and there was prior to the pandemic. And then the other problem is it's expensive. Insurance for some reason doesn't absolutely does not pay for oftentimes or focus on the need for mental health being paid for, you know, being a benefit. So a lot of and in a lot of psychiatrists and family therapists and psychologists simply don't take insurance because, again, the insurance companies don't think that they need to pay for mental health therapy so or just mental health. They, it's, it's for some reason 
kind of neglected in my opinion. So, I mean, if you don't have your mental health, <laughs> then your phys- your physical health is going to deteriorate, right? But for some reason, it's like, sorry, Charlie. And so it's it's hard to find docs and therapists and whatnot who actually do take insurance. And then if they do, oftentimes their wait list is forever. And even if they don't take insurance, their wait list can be very long, especially now. So we that we unfortunately are in a sad position because we do our best, you know, to help them get that care. And we try to provide a lot of it for them, you know, to the degree that we can, but it's certainly, it's a specialty and thank God for those providers that do it because it's, it's very tough. Well, and talking about the insurance, you know, I think this goes along to putting value on preventative medicine more because in the long run, I would, you know, if there's a mathematical equation that these insurance companies use where, you know, they, they do invest in the preventative care. And then because especially with psychiatric care or behavioral and emotional well-being, if those aren't properly addressed, then children especially lead, you know, they go directly to other coping mechanisms, which sometimes aren't positive, or they eat too much, or, you know, or, you know, there's just coping mechanisms that they do that create chronic illnesses that the insurance companies then have to pay for. Very good point. Yep, absolutely. So it's like, you know, do you want to cover some upfront preventative care or do you want to cover the really expensive chronic care? Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. Well, let's um, let's switch gears a little bit to um, your office space for the real estate folks that listen to this. And so you your your current location is on a major intersection, 44th and Camelback, and obviously your name reflects that. So you know, you had to move from that location because it's being redeveloped. First, are you happy to be finished with the process now that you've found a spot? Yes, we're just praying that it's completed by the time they start to uh, bulldoze our building. They've been gracious and let us stay. We were supposed to be out by July 31st. And uh, well, in the middle of a pandemic, trying to secure a space was a bit challenging. So so we have a, a great construction crew and a very good office administrator and uh, managing partner, excuse me, they are, the three are doing a great job to hopefully facilitate us getting in by November 30th. If not, we're going to be practicing on the street. So, <laughs> but we're excited. I have to say, you, you probably had a huge, like a few big strategic considerations that you needed to address with this location. And, and I'd love to hear, you know, because I'm sure you had to, you wanted your name to be aligned, you know, with Camelback Pediatrics and to remain relatively close to your current Central Phoenix location for your patient base. But then parking, because typically moms come in with all their kids, even if one of them, you know, is, is being cared for. So you have strollers, you've got, you know, moms with, you know, that, that need some space. So how did you address all of these with, with finding a new location? Well, you're absolutely correct. Um, this, the parking issue is, is pivotal because it's, um, you have to have enough parking spots. We see, you know, a lot of patients and, um, right now we're having patients basically stay in their car until we're ready to see them just as a measure to prevent any sort of spread of, of, COVID. Um, so with that, we, we looked for space, but honestly it was hard to find space period. And so we did find a space at 3333 Camelback that has a massive amount of parking and the, it's easily accessible to, you know, to the office itself. So it's not a long walk. It's, you know, you know, there's a, a simple straight from the parking lot to the door 
So it's, it's exciting and it's a nice building. So we're excited. If your practice had more time, would you have wanted like a standalone building or do you guys, is that not something you wanted to consider? Oh, we looked for, I mean, we were even considering purchasing a building, but we just wanted something that was, like you said, the, the primary motivation was that we were, we stayed on Camelback close to our previous location and that, uh, the parking was, was accessible and that it was also safe because obviously safety is a factor too. And, and a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, landlords don't probably want, I mean, it seems as though doctors and then pediatric doctors in particular, they're very careful about, and probably we're not as ideal as, as other renters in the sense that, you know, we take up a lot of parking and, you know, we have patients coming in and out. And so there's a high volume and you no, know, so, um, so that's actually always the tough part when, when looking for new locations. So, but that, that landlord has another really busy family practice in that building. So I think they're, they, they're welcoming to, you know, having a busy practice. Yeah. They, they, uh, internal medicine associates are a great group. So we're excited to be close to them. For kids, this going into the winter, are you, are you promoting flu shots just to try to eliminate, uh, you know, having two pandemics at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's amazing how many more people want them than, than they've ever wanted them. So there it's, 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 yes, it's been, it's been very, uh, very encouraging to say the least. And so we, we, I feel like, you know, with the wearing of masks and the flu shots and, you know, people accepting them, I feel like, you know, hopefully we're going to have a milder flu season. Cause last year, you know, flu, flu likes everybody. It, it, (laughs) it, it likes to infect everybody and kids were very sick. It was probably one of the worst flu seasons I've experienced as a practitioner. And, And I think there was something close to like 300 deaths in the United States you know, children um, and kids alone. So, so, so if we can protect, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's great that, that people are more open to, to getting the flu shot. And then I think masks are definitely useful in terms of, of preventing the spread. You know, people argue that point, but I will argue that unfortunately we have not seen as many kids sick because they're wearing masks at school. So the typical stuff we see in the fall, we really aren't seeing much of. And that's not good for business. Everybody take your masks off. I'm just kidding. But it proves the point that, to me, that when people argue, oh, they don't, you know, they don't work, well, something's working because yeah. we literally can't get patients in typically at this time of year. There's croup, there's RSV, there's flu. We haven't seen really much of any of those things. We haven't had a case of flu yet, which is unusual. So it's, it's, they work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, great. You know, once we get through this pandemic, my hope is that, you know, there's a, there's a whole, um, change to preventative medicine and, you know, pediatrics and, and teaching kids different ways to do self-care for themselves, I think will hopefully be the next wave of, of healthcare. Cause hopefully that's happening with adults and especially kids. Cause they need to learn early, I think, to create those habits that then stay with them. 
Before we head into the Q&A session of this interview, I want to take a moment to promote an offer. If you are a provider and you own your own real estate and ever wondered what your options are, I invite you to schedule a 20-minute strategy session with me to discuss the benefits of a sale leaseback transaction. If you have 10 years or more left to practice or you are a large practice, a sale leaseback provides you with the proceeds now to exit the real estate and reinvest into your practice or invest elsewhere. Please go to docproperties.com forward slash free dash consultation dash Trisha dash Talbot to schedule a call. The link will be in the show notes as well if you're driving or unable to write it down. Thank you. And now we'll return back to the interview. So now we move into the Q&A to get to know you a little bit. So uh, what was your first job? I actually was uh, an activities assistant at a nursing home when I was 14. It was a very interesting and fun experience, entertaining elderly folks. It's just so fun. And they love, they love entertainment. They do. <laughs> they do, for sure. What would you be doing for a living if you were not a healthcare provider? I would work at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> They're always happy. They get free coffee. It, it's hard for me to even envision not being a healthcare worker. So uh, I, I, I don't know. That's it, it's. I don't. It was very. It's a very difficult question to answer. So Starbucks. Well, we're grateful to have you because you know I, I think that you know being a healthcare provider, it serves you serve the people you treat, and uh, without you, we would be be in a different place. And I and I I, I say that with because I I keep. Um, you know, listening to how exhausted some of the frontline workers are for COVID and that they don't, they don't have enough people to even come in and, and change them out anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah. And they've, so many of them have seen so much. And I, I mean, I just, I feel for, I, I can't even imagine how hard it's been for, for those on the front lines and the hospitals and the ICUs and the ERs, because they've just, they've seen and dealt with so much, you know, and it's, it's tragic. So for them. But fortunately, I haven't seen anything because peds, again, the kids are barely sick. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty resilient. Yeah, I, I said I, I was talking to my, my husband and I was saying, honestly, you know, this is I feel like the pandemic is our current war and the front line, the frontline workers are the healthcare providers and teachers. Because if I had to sit in front of a class with 30 people like looking at me and sneezing, even with a mask on, I mean, you're still at risk and they go in every day because what would our kids do you know if they were I mean we, we saw some of that with the virtual stuff but if they're home all day too that's not and isolated that's not good yeah it's definitely it's there you know that it's something that they will look back on and and uh much like you would you know any situation that's extremely stressful like a war this is just a different kind of war and it will shape us for sure as a society, you know, and hopefully there's going to be tons of silver linings that come out of that. Um, I think there already have been, you know, like lots of family time and lots of appreciating little things like the smell of, of a movie popcorn <laughs> when you're at the mall. You're like, oh, there's a movie theater open. Oh, there's, you know, just looking at Christmas decorations when you walk around Nordstrom. It's just, you don't think about, I just feel like I appreciate so much more of the little things. Just to be able to have a backyard barbecue yes. and not, you know, and, and, you know, be able to have people over. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. it's just crazy. It is. 
So what or who are you reading or listening to right now for news, information, or inspiration? Well, I'm trying not to watch the news because it stresses me out. <laughs> so I, if I read anything, I mean, if I read anything, I read journals and, you know, I'm trying to train to get um, a functional medicine degree. So I've been reading a lot of just tons of journals and articles and um, watching videos from a conference I went to a year ago and just really trying to get myself more just engrossed in that because I, I truly believe that that's important to, to continue to try to incorporate in my practice. So, um, but on a daily basis, I read the Bible in the morning and I have a, a book called Jesus Calling. And I watch, I read, I watch the, it, the first thing I do in the morning is make my coffee and read both the Bible and that. So daily devotional, that's what I was trying to get to. But yeah, those are the two things I do to try to start my day off. <laughs> That's a great way to start the day. And I am so excited about your functional medicine for peds. I think it is so necessary. um, And, you know, to help them and like you said, not pump them full of medicine unless you have to. I mean, obviously, there's a place for that and and people do need it. But if they don't need it, and it's lifestyle teaching, I think that's fantastic. Um, Yes, I do, too. And peds, I think, needs it more than anything because, um, you know, why why get addicted to a medicine when you don't have to? Right. Absolutely. So what is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? Which you might have just answered it, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah. And, and I exercise. I try to, you know, exercise five times a week if I can. And and so that's, yeah. But But I would say like the most important thing is like I take that time in the morning to just sit there and read and be quiet and try to set my day in motion in a positive way. So, um, and try to remember what I read because many times there are messages that I try to take into the day and I forget them and I'm human and get frustrated or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Have the emotions that you're supposed to try to just work through and <laughs> let go and find joy in. So 80%, 80%. They, oh, that, thank you. That's, <laughs> you just made me feel better. That's right. <laughs> Take my own advice. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Do you think a person is born with the desire to heal or is this learned only through their medical training? I would definitely say that most people that end up in medicine have a desire to heal. Um, Certainly if you choose this arena, you know, with the motivation of making money or, you know, it's, it's not about that. You have to find your passion in life and know uh, that when you go to work, you're, going to be happy and love it. And so I feel like if you are somebody who's inspired to be a healer, you know, it it, it starts quite early. You feel that sense early. And uh, it's it's funny because the kids that I see in my practice that say, I want to be a doctor or a veterinarian, or I want to help people. I want to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist. They kind of figure that out pretty early too. So I, I feel like it's a calling for sure. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, um, I'll have um, all of your the links to your to your book in the show notes. I think it's great. And I'll have um, a link to your website. And, and you see you see children from birth to 18, correct? 
That is, I actually, t- we see them till they turn 20. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. that's good to know. That's good to know. And you know what? You can purchase my book on Amazon, but I also tell people they can, I'm basically at this point, I just like to give them away if they want them because to me it's, you know, it, it was something that I always wanted to do and to basically recoup the cost. And at this point now it's, it's uh, something that if people want one, they can just, I don't know. Call your office. Let me know. They can call my <laughs> office. I'm sure my office is going to be really happy with me for saying that. But maybe I'll just leave them outside and <laughs> people come pick them up. No, but, I think it's uh, a great book. I think, but it's, you know, it's it has written so well to teach the children how to, to really, you know, do some self-diagnosing before they, you know, and try to do some self self-diagnosing but self-correcting for if it's just something minor like not eating well or not drinking enough water I didn't know it was out there but I think it is so important and there is a ton of um I think in in uh, preventative care and health care with this whole uh, education and awareness going on with the microbiome and gut health and how important it is and I think just and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the science and the data is backing it up, you know, now that I think it's been tracked for a while that, hey, you know, if, if stuff's going on with you, if the first thing is, what are you putting in your body? Absolutely. I think institutions all over the country are kind of racing for the most innovative research on how to achieve that with looking at people's balance of, of gut bacteria, looking at the microbiome, the microbiome, and really trying to figure out who's going to have the the golden ticket to make it uh, the best it can be, right? So it's, it's, they're all in a race and it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, totally. And it, but it's going to be different for each person too. So a lot of this is being a little self-aware too, that, Hey, you know, I ate something and that didn't really do well. And Maybe I don't eat as much of that, or like you said, it's on a special occasion, and 20% of the time you do, and 80% you don't. (laughs) Well, absolutely, and then it's also combining your genes with what your, what your, you know, what balance you need in your gut, and so that's really what they're looking for, because your goal is to try to keep your good genes, your happy genes lit up, and not turn on your bad genes, so striking that balance in your gut flora is what really is the goal, And, and you know, it, does that mean definitely diet plays a role in that, but they're also looking at, you know, how to rebalance that if it's, if it's off with different, you know, supplements and probiotics and, you know, other things like that. So, well, Kristen, thank you. This has been a, a wonderful interview. Appreciate your time. Oh, great. Well, it's been fun. It's, it's like I'm chatting with a friend. So <laughs> perfect. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. But thank you. Thank you for your time. But, and then I, you know, and thank you for, you know, just doing what you do. And, and, um, I, you know, I appreciate all the education and awareness that you're putting out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast and share the podcast with others. Previous episodes are available on the podcast website, providerspropertiesandperformance.com, where you can also sign up for the podcast weekly newsletter. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.